Welcome to the Mermaid Society's Extraordinary Girls of the Sea series. I'm Sally Mack, and I'm going to be bringing you some of the most inspiring stories and conversations from women achieving big things from every corner of the globe. This is episode five with Rosie Hodge. Rosie has become an influential and respected sports broadcaster with the World Surf League since finishing up on the championship tour as a professional surfer. We talked about growing up in South Africa in a time when there still weren't a great deal of women in the water, the transition from athlete to broadcaster, the Blue Crush generation, career pathways for athletes and the future. We can't wait to see Rosie back on our screens as the WCT kicks off again with the Roxy Pro in just a couple of weeks. This is an inspiring conversation and I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did. Hello. Hello. Hi Sally, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm so good. Sorry, my dog is just going mad. There's a mailman that just pulled up. <laughs> so I thought I'd start with, you grew up in South Africa. What was it like growing up in a different environment? Obviously you're in California now. What was it like growing up there and how did surfing kind of become part of the equation for you? Well, yeah, growing up in South Africa, I think um, we always lived pretty close to the beach and I was just a water baby from the get-go and then also a bit of a tomboy because I have um, an older brother and I just wanted to always keep up with him and his friends. So, you know, we were skateboarding and doing all the rest of it and then surfing just seemed like kind of a natural progression just because my dad used to surf and we lived so close to the water and there was always that kind of interest in it. So I think I was about seven years old when I first stood up on a board um, and then just kind of like fell in love with it as you do and you get all um, consumed by it and it's pretty much all I wanted to do um, ever since I started. So it was just like an immediate passion for me. It's funny, isn't it, the amount of people that become really competitive as the younger sibling? Like you look at a lot of um, the world champions and really successful athletes, not just in surfing, but, you know, like Sally Fitzgibbons and Tyler, um, you know, those, those, those girls come from really, you know, strong competitive family backgrounds. So it often is like yeah. the younger sibling that has that success. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's so funny just, yeah, like you mentioned, you do get so competitive with your siblings and then that kind of, you know, being competitive with my brother and then figuring out that you could surf competitively, like was another kind of outlet for me. But then also just, um, being a grom and being able to travel with it too. Like my family, um, we would just like pack up the combi and my parents would just drive up and down the South African coast and we'd go to all the different junior contests. So that for me, like the adventure of it and doing all of that. And then the competitive side and the people that you meet, like that really just, kind of sucked me in you said you had a combi did you all travel in the combi together yeah it was funny because obviously you'd be leaving from east london and then there'd be like father father the people that needed to go so we'd all like kind of negotiate lifts and whatever so my parents would end up, end up taking like a handful of people so it was always just like packed car with all the groms and um, yeah, get to the destination and it was just like traveling and rolling in a pack. Oh, that's the best. But one of the best things about surf culture and being a Grom is being able to be part of that traveling little circus and family, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, just was also part of it for me, like traveling with the older surfers and just like, there were so many people from the hometown where I grew up that I, I got to like look up to a lot of great surfers and have a great influence on on what I get to do so I think like Greg Amsey and then there was Royden Brasson and a bunch of the other Groms that just really um I got to like kind of just shadow 
for a lot of years and see what they were up to. And um, yeah, that was really important, just having those people to mentor and, and, and look up to. Yeah, you did naturally fall into that mental role as well. But who was an inspiration to you? I mean, there weren't still that many professional um, female surfers around in South Africa at that time. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, well, from my hometown, East London, Wendy Berta grew up there and she, you know, she has the four world titles. So she was always just someone that I like really just thought the world of. And I didn't actually get to meet Wendy until I went to Australia, like for the first time, like, uh, when I was about 13 or 14 years old, maybe a little bit older, 16 years old. So meeting her was like a huge moment for me. And then because she was really someone that I looked up to and um, all the older surfers actually nicknamed me Wendy growing up. They were like, oh, you just like Wendy Burton. And I was like, that's the biggest compliment you could ever give me. And then, um, you know, there was also Heather Clark um, while I was competing on the QS, she was on the World Championship Tour and she was just a huge inspiration for me too. And were there a lot of girls in the water? Because there's a lot of girls from South Africa coming into the QS scene now. Yeah, what was it like um, when you were kind of a grommet on those traveling days? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, you know, there was only kind of a handful of us that were competing at that stage and then it just seemed to catch fire and there were just more and more groms in the water, more girls just really ripping. I mean, you look at Bianca Betendach and what she's done um, on the tour and she was so, she was just this tiny little whippersnapper when I when I was like in my teens. So watching, you know, how far her career's gone and, and what she's achieved, it's just, it's so rad to see that progression for her and um, just feel really proud of those girls that came up and then just seeing, you know, more and more um, ladies in the water and more girls in the water was really cool for me. And do you, you go back there for the J-Bay Pro each year. Every time you go back, are you surprised by the progression of women surfing in South Africa? Yeah, it's interesting. I only really get to go home once a year. So I think What's going to be interesting is this year, now that the WSL have included the women at, at Supers, I think there's just going to be so many young grommets that come down and, and show an interest in the contest. So I can't wait to see like who um, comes down and watches it and, and how the lineup you know, might just be filled with a bunch of ripping groms from South Africa that are surfing. So I think that's going to really draw out the talents in South Africa too. And it's a good opportunity having that WSL event because – you know, the girls get to be inspired by what they see. It actually will be surprising to see if um, having the women surfing there draws out a whole nother pocket of audience of like young South African girls and women to come out and even just free surfing around, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something that I'm looking forward to because I never got to watch um, the J-Bay contest when I was growing up when the ladies were still competing. And I think if, if I had been there and seen that i remember sofia milanovic was one of i think she was like 13 when she was competing at jbay and i think that would have just been huge for me so i think at the same time all the young groms from south africa coming down and watching the ladies it might just put another spike in um in the ladies that kind of start getting the bug and wanting to compete and travel so south african world champion will it happen <laughs> i hope so i mean wow i mean we have so many waves and so many um you know locations where you can practice but i think it's just a matter of it's really putting your head down you've got to work hard to kind of take that step 
and, and earning enough money to get out and travel and, and, you know, just leave. I mean, it's really hard to access all these different parts of the world coming from South Africa. You need the visas, you need the money, you need the support. So I'm really hoping that we do see a South African world champ, but I wouldn't count it out. Yeah, it is. It's a massive trip, isn't it? Because every year you see um, all the men, especially, you know, on social media now, <laughs> on their, their trips across, especially from Hawaii. It's a, it's a pretty massive feat, huh? Yeah, definitely. The traveling from South Africa is, it doesn't get doesn't get that easy, and it's so funny. Everyone's just walking around like zombies as soon as they get to South Africa. Everyone's just jet lagged up to the eyeballs. So you got to factor that in on every trip too. It's just the amount of time that it takes to get there. So your favorite spot, your favorite local spot uh, around where you grew up, what would it be? Definitely the right-hand point break that my parents' house overlooks, um, Queensbury Bay. I don't want to blow up the spot, but, I mean, my dad actually needs a few more people to surf with. So, yeah, the right-hand <laughs> right in front of my house is just, like, so perfect and just what I grew up surfing. So I absolutely adore it, and it just has all those kind of familiar memories for me. You get nostalgic with a lot of home breaks as well, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, it's so funny how you get attached to somewhere like that. And then you also end up, like – um, comparing every place that you surf, you're like, oh, this kind of reminds you of home because the water temperature is like this or the color of the water or just the smell in the air. Or, I don't know. It's so strange. Like you just kind of carry that wherever you go. Yeah, yeah. Like little, t- you find little tiny bits everywhere. <laughs> it's so funny. That's so yeah. true. Um, so while you're on tour, there are a lot of things changing in women's surfing, like representation and the amount of locations, like up and down and pay, especially um, – Tell me about a little bit about your time while you were on the championship tour and watching being part of those things changing. Yeah, I think the time that I was on tour was so interesting. Um, it was almost like a transitional phase because, you know, we had all the people that kind of inspired our generation, you know, the Megan Abubo, the Lane Beachley, the, there was Kate Scarrett, um, uh, Sofia Milanovic, Chelsea Georgeson, like they were all on tour um, when I first qualified. And then you kind of also saw like Steph Gilmore um, qualifying in the same year. And then we all know what Steph did. And then Sally was still a Grom and Carissa was still a Grom and Tyler was still a Grom. So I think the four years that I spent on tour, you kind of saw, you know, people's careers taking different paths and then seeing this young uh, surge of just incredibly talented humans on the tour. And, um, yeah, I think that every year women surfing is just getting to a whole nother level. And it's been so fun and inspiring to see this wave and this new generation of surfers coming up. And, and also those surfers that we expected to do well, kind of stepping into those expectations and exceeding them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, you know, thinking back to that and you rattling off all those names as well, it really that was the blue crush generation, huh? Like the the movie itself, yeah. a lot of people pay out on how corny it was and that kind of thing. But I think that it really did inspire a whole lot of people outside of the natural little core surf pocket to become a part of, you know, what we all love about surfing. Yeah, for sure. And just also, um, you know, just meeting those people, like hanging out with Megan Abubo in Hawaii or just kind of seeing how down to earth someone like Sofia Milanovic is that for me was also so great and then you know like you said you get like a movie like Blue Crash and it might be kind of corny in a sense but I've watched it like a thousand times and enjoyed it every single time so it's just kind of yeah Blue Crash generation and just the core surfers um even Lisa Anderson 
you know, you just get a feeling like they kind of have inspired this generation that's on tour now. And in turn, you know, Stephanie Gilmore is kind of inspiring Tyler Rath to run for the world titles now. And um, obviously she's still going to win a handful of titles herself. But yeah, it's just really cool to see that evolution in women surfing. Yeah, it's so funny. I've definitely watched it. I, I don't even know. But I've, I've even like subliminally made my husband feel like he has to watch it all the time now. I reckon we probably watched it 50 yes. times together. Just like forward stuff. I'm like, oh, that's so cheesy, but I love it. Let's watch it again. Okay. I know. And the soundtrack as well. Oh, the soundtrack is amazing. Like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? I heard one of the songs the other day and I was like, yeah, yeah it's a cool, cool. I'm not going to sing, but, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely a keeper movie. Why, why was it that you retired and decided to end your professional surfing career? Well, I think at the end of 2010, I had fallen off the tour and then kind of thinking about, well, I did actually do a few QSs in 2011, but it was actually, um, 2011 is when I got approached to commentate the events Foxy. So I kind of fell into that role and really started enjoying doing that. So I don't know, that kind of opportunity of being able to try something new and then also feeling like maybe I wasn't enjoying the competitive side as much as I was um, the traveling, surfing and the, the commentating. So I think that for me was just something that I just fell into doing the commentating stuff and then also getting to surf and travel at the same time. So it was refreshing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was obviously something that just naturally happened for you then and you didn't even really – you had to look for it because I was going to say, like, um, a big big part of what I'm kind of interested in at the moment is that um, being a professional athlete kind of exposes you to that inner sanctum of an industry, the industry that you're in, but – and the professionals that work outside it. But so many athletes don't really take that initiative to network and look for the potential inside and those opportunities inside at the time in their career, I guess, because they're so um, obsessed with competition and being able to achieve the results and just being in that, you know, the singular pathway and, and being able to look forward and for like career steps outside of their competition. So was that something that you were actually conscious of anyway before you left the QS and that competitive uh, stage of your life? Yeah, I think, you know, like you mentioned, it's just when you're competing, you're so 100% absorbed, like absorbed in it and it's ups and downs of that and you're applying yourself to that and you, you continuously trying to improve and, and make sure that you getting to these locations, you're taking care of your travel and, and there's so many factors that go to certain competitively that you really do have to sacrifice a lot for it. So I think for me, besides the competitive side of, of surfing, I also just really enjoyed, you know, having that opportunity to travel and, and meet these people and, and get to know people on the road and kind of, it was almost like wherever we went on tour, I'd try and make it feel as much like home as possible. So and spend as much time there as possible and get to know different people. And then also, like, on the professional side, it's like, hey, like, if you've sponsored or their the organization's putting on events for you, is kind of have a duty to to put your best foot forward and, and make sure that you're getting to know people around you and, and um, 
yeah, just making sure that you represent the sport in a positive way and, and make a positive impression on everyone that you meet just because, you know, you never know what's going to happen down the road. So it's kind of surfing is this community where we call, you kind of want to get that feeling like of everyone and they're going to take care of you because I think at the end of the day that's what it's all about so you know I just made sure that I was maybe just making connections where I could and then also like I said when when I was traveling just making it feel as much like home as possible besides just focusing 100% on competing. Obviously like I've never been a professional athlete I've done a lot of uh, competition in a lot of different sports but never professionally And so I guess it was hard for me to understand whether you are just totally consumed in that area because you know that you're being paid to perform. I see so many girls come falling off tour and then you just go, you know, you didn't even finish school. What are you going to do now? Like surely you think about that as you get towards the end because it's not like you just get cut off to us, kind of a gradual understanding that you're going to come off. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it can be so ruthless. I think that, um, you know, you can be in that top 10 and then all of a sudden, you know, you out of that and you're back on the QF and then that doesn't work out and then you lose sponsors and things can change. So I don't know. I think it's just so important to always have a backup plan and also just make the most of opportunities when they come your way, just because, you know, it's exciting trying new things or, or learning a new skill. It's just important, for, I think, for your character and balance in life to have different things that you can can try and, and enjoy and, and make sure that you don't kind of put all your eggs on basket. But also having said that, I think when you see people that do achieve just incredible things, they are sacrificing so much and really putting all their time and energy and, and focus into that. So you can't really take away from either side of the equation. If, if you really can put your heart and soul into something, you got to back yourself. Mm. But then at the same time, you've also got to make sure that you've got something to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I, I just find it really interesting because I feel like there's so much opportunity out there for a lot of the women and they're not guided into having that thought process of like, Oh, I could move into marketing or, like events or commentary or writing you know like there's so many options yeah i mean that that i think is also um, an important factor is having people that kind of mentor surfers as they're growing up and i think we're seeing kind of a bit more of that now like a lot of people are traveling with all the athletes and kind of helping them in the process just because it's kind of scary i mean it really is just this beautiful lifestyle you get to surf and travel and you don't it's just insane like it's incredible but then at the same time falling back down from that is just can be a huge wake-up call so I think yeah like a bit of guidance and just making sure that you kind of have you know that you're making the most of your experiences and at the same time thinking about a backup plan is kind of important yeah so you said you moved out of surfing as a QS surfer and you offered the commentary roles from Roxy what was it like moving from an athlete to part of the media that actually promotes the athletes um it was such a fun transition for me and it was interesting because I got offered the opportunity to commentate and I'm actually really naturally shy so the thought of me actually going and having to you know stand in front of a camera and and kind of you know put yourself out there in that kind of way was pretty daunting for me but at the end of the day just knowing kind of the background 
after having had that experience of being a competitor just made it a bit bit easier for me and then I just enjoyed the challenge of kind of learning something new and and you know having the opportunity to go and do that because I just felt like the people that said that they kind of gave me that position I didn't want to let them down either so it was kind of just a fun challenge for me. Yeah, yeah. And what's been one of the biggest things that you've learned in that role? Because you haven't come from a media or journalist background and you're kind of like learning on the go, but you're doing a killer job at it. So what would you think is one of the biggest things that you've had to learn or adapt to? Um, I think it's just, it's so funny because you really are putting yourself out. You kind of, for me, like I said, I'm shy, I'm super sensitive and I don't always take criticism well. So I think it was just of being open to criticism from people that I, I can relate to and that I really respect like Joe or Ronnie or anyone on the team like the boy at WSL that kind of look over the broadcast I'm so hungry for any kind of feedback from them and then at the same time like don't even you know have any interest in looking at negative comments from random people that you see some or just not letting any of that kind of affect you, but then also just striving to improve and, and and do better and just grow, I think, as a broadcast family on the WSL. I think all of us kind of have had this opportunity and we all love our jobs so much that we all continuously striving to do better. Yeah. Well, being on the road with them, you know, with commentary and production, it must make you guys really, really close. Is it important, do you think, to have that closeness and that bond to make the operation run as smoothly as it does? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, um, going to the fifth year at the end of last year, you think we'd be like so sick of each other and we've been traveling so much together and you actually end up a lot of time on the road and just in each other's grill all the time and we've actually become closer and it really is like a family vibe yeah it's pretty funny that we don't want to kill each other I guess you move into that kind of you nearly just become like family so you tolerate anything kind of mode yeah and then you just think about like who's on the team and you're like holy smokes like Barton or Potts or Pete Mel like they've got world titles to their name and Joan Ryan like so incredible at what they do and Strata is just amazing and Capo and just the whole crew of of humans is just like so fun to be around and and also at the same time you're like mixing with some of your heroes and I guess because you become so close as well you kind of have that natural ability to just have a really good time and talk and it comes across really naturally on the television as well yeah, I think um, there's definitely a certain chemistry that comes out um, on on screen just because of how much we all enjoy it. And at the end of the day, we're all such fans of the sport that it's so easy to just kind of sit in the mode and in the moment and be watching it happen in front of you. And you can't just get out of it because it's all what we love to do. And, and like I said, we're just huge fans of, of what's going on. Everyone's just frothing out together. Yeah. It's so funny. It's pretty hilarious, actually. Like, we all almost have to, like, take a breath and be like, okay, calm down, like, relax, like, just kind of let it settle out and, like, settle in. Yeah, we're not just in the lounge room. We've got, like, a million people watching externally as well. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, let's rein it in a little bit, let the excitement just tone it down. It's really interesting what you just said about the, you know, not taking taking criticism from random people. I actually put a quote up on the mermaid society yesterday which was no one can make you feel inferior without your your consent which is by eleanor roosevelt and it was very popular that one yeah <laughs> that's i mean that's so interesting to me especially like 
the the kind of times that we're living in now i think you put you all this stuff in social media and you're so influenced by what's going on i think it's just kind of holding true to what you value in life and then just making sure that you always putting your best foot forward and, and bringing out like your best and making sure that you pick other people up because i don't know there's just stuff that gets sometimes and it's obviously there to try and hurt your feelings or bring you down and it's it's how you let that affect you surfing on the ct at that level do you think it's more about just being primarily concerned with what you need to do or do you think that there are elements of being able to consider the competitors as well my experience competitively is you get especially when you've worked so hard and then you kind of have that disappointment moment of when you get knocked out of the contest and you just feel like you didn't surf to your potential those are the moments that just kind of almost eat your life if you spend time dwelling on it so i think at the end of the day your competitor and yourself you guys aren't really shouldn't really be bothered with each other besides like the result that you want to get and i think that's what make con- that's what makes contests so fun is just being ruthless and letting your surfing you know come to the forefront and surf- surfing to your potential and and kind of coming up and meeting that challenge yeah yeah absolutely and th- i guess that's that's what commentators say a lot on the air as well is that like all these girls are really good friends but out in the water it's just cutthroat <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. And it's like, it's, it's, it's law. Like, you know, when you go and surf in the heat and it's, and it's super respectable too, because you're like, okay, when I surf against this person, they're going to want to beat me and they're going to want to surf their best. And that's almost a compliment to have someone that's really ruthless in the water against you. You're like, okay, cool. I think competitiveness brings out the best and worst in you. And then you just got to kind of learn how to control it. So that that must be one of the cool things for you as well, is that you're going to see, you're going to be commentating and, and observing from the outside this whole generation of female surfers, Steph Gilmore, Tyler Wright. Um, so, you know, in 10 years time, you're going to have this incredible bank and wealth of knowledge of these surfers and how they've um been able to change and grow and and get a lot of success and then you know come back down again yeah i think that's fun for me just seeing how it plays out every year and just watching like from from the goldie all the way through to hawaii and then you know factoring that into their whole career and just seeing how um it's kind of just taken the the turns that that it does every year so yeah it's pretty cool like just watching people grow up and then seeing where they end up by the end of it so have you thought about the next 10 years where are we going to see rosie hodge sports anchor for cbs (laughs) or fox or general manager of a company oh my gosh no i seriously like i'm like one foot in front of the other i'm really enjoying what i'm doing with the wsl and then i don't know it's so funny i think life is so interesting because as you get older i mean you know having a daughter and having a family that's something that you know ladies kind of have to factor into the future too so i don't know i'm like newly married almost a year now i'm loving what i'm doing with the wsl so i'm kind of just gonna ride it out and then and I don't know, it would be lovely to keep doing the commentating stuff and seeing if any other opportunities arise. Otherwise, who knows, I might do something completely, completely different. Yeah, totally sidetracked. Or you could just, you know, work for Dirk Ziff and manage wave pools. <laughs> I know. Seriously, send me inland. I'll go inland if I get an opportunity to surf that thing all day long. 
<laughs> yeah, imagine. You'd like, how good would it be just to be a surf coach at the wave pool for the rest of your life? Oh, my gosh. Next level. But you know what? It's like I think watching people surf at all, it would probably do your head in if you didn't get to surf yourself. So if there was like something written into the job description that said that I had to catch like five waves in the morning and in the evening, like five waves, yeah, like ten waves total, I'd be happy. Uh, are you excited about the women being able to have an event at the wave pool? What do you think about that? Oh, my gosh. I am frothing. I can't – I think – I think mainly it's just seeing something different and then also having a different format of contest. And then, because it's a lot of pressure when you're sitting in the pool knowing that your wave's about to come and because that wave's going to come regardless. There's no hassling, there's no kind of priority or anything. So I'm really excited to see what the Surf Ranch delivers. Yeah, it'll be interesting also to see what format they decide to go with. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I can't wait. I think it doesn't. It's going to just be interesting anyway, just seeing you know, the left, the right, how it kind of plays out. We went to the um, test event last year in September and watching that was super exciting too. So we'll see what format they kind of adopt for it. Did you get a wave? Oh, man. I need to get in that pool. I want to catch a right. I got a left and it was fun, but I would love to catch more than just a left. I want to go right. <laughs> <laughs> get in there for both for sure. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing to have a chat and you've got a massive year ahead. So, um, yeah, good luck with everything this year and hopefully we'll see you in Australia and catch up. Yes, that would be awesome. I'd love to just give you a hug and what's up. And thank you so much for the time and chatting to me. That was our chat with the incredible Rosie Hodge. Stay tuned to themermaidsociety.com.au for more news, information and stories from the sea. If you haven't already, make sure you check out our latest board and wetsuit guides. As well, we're looking forward to the Vistla Sydney Pro happening at Manly Beach from the 24th of February to the 4th of March. Drop down and make sure you come and see us. I'm Sally Mack. See you next time.